0: Hello, and welcome back to Zoom with Zarni. Good morning. This is Sunday morning, December 13th. I'm happy to bring to you my interview with Senator Mike Gianaris today. Uh, these Zooms we're doing a little bit differently. I'm recording the interview separately and then uh, recording a little intro here uh, at the beginning uh, because it's been, you know, a little hard to get some of these guests and, and and also, with my schedule has been a little bit weird over the election season, I felt this would be better uh, way to do these uh, it, uh, Facebook lives, or though not Facebook lives, but the, the Facebook videos and and uh, podcasts, because uh, I wanted you to hear from some amazing uh, people that I've been able to meet over my uh, tenure here as elections commissioner, and most importantly, in my uh, time, uh, you know, uh, uh, lobbying for election law reform, which I'll be doing again uh, this uh, spring. But it won't be like it used to be. It won't be me going up to Albany and going from room to room to room and doing 12, 15 meetings in a day um, with different staff and senators. There will be more Zoom meetings uh, now because the legislature is scheduled to go back into session on January uh, 5th but uh, it will not be a normal session. They will be mostly virtual sessions. I actually think this is one of those things where COVID has actually helped uh, guide us a little bit into the 20th century because it's way more efficient for me to be able to schedule Zooms, meet with actual senators instead of uh, senior staff because they have like six or seven meetings all at once. Um, it takes up more time in some senses because uh, obviously instead of certain days getting these things done, they can be scheduled out on, on different days. But I do think it allows for more voices. And I have noticed in the Zoom hearings that I've been a part of that uh, we uh, see a lot of more uh, response from the participants, from the lawmakers. They, they're there. They, they talk more they ask more questions and um i think that's great <laughs> you know I, I think the back and forth that law these hearings have that lawmakers have with people who are actually running elections or advocates that are advocating for elections is is important i think it's going to be how we help uh make new york elections better so i'm excited to get back into that uh, i've had several zoom meetings with uh uh, you know, different senators and, um, and, and assembly And when I do that, or assembly women, when I do that, I try to schedule them for a podcast uh, interview as well. And that's what happened here with Senator, uh, Mike Gianaris. He was uh, very gracious with his time. Um, he met with me early on in the day. We talked about uh, a lot of stuff regarding election laws and changes. We would like to make some nitty gritty stuff, but I think we're, we get into that in the interview later today as well. Uh, Not much has been happening since the last time uh, we spoke, Uh, last Thursday, um, we had uh, um, uh, Jennifer Wilson of the League of Women Voters, that's a great, uh, she was a great guest and we talked a lot about these changes and then on Thursday night, I was on that panel for uh, election reform, and administration reform. hosted by the Brooklyn Voters Alliance, but uh, having people from all over the state, a lot of New York City people, but they brought in an upstater like myself, and we talked about apples, uh, <laughs> apple picking here in upstate New York a little bit. Uh, I, I plugged our apples, uh, you know, I, I like Lafayette. I love our apples uh, uh, out there. So I did plug our apples, but uh, it was a great conversation about how New York may be able to professionalize some of a, uh, their, um, you know, attitudes attitudes toward elections, and of course, I argue that, you know, the bipartisan uh, administration isn't the issue here in New York. I think that's a, a good model because it, it allows more people to see, um, you know, have their people uh, at the board of elections, and you don't see these claims of fraud and stuff like that that you see in other states. But what it, it does, but what we do need to do is we really need to. Standardize uh, what a board of elections does, what uh, each county board of elections, all the um, goals that they need to make, meet and win, and also give them the proper staffing that they need. Um, you know, boards of elections are held hostage to their county board, county legislatures who set their budgets. And even though there's a clause in New York law that allows us to surpass those budgets if we need to for elections, uh, as we've seen even here in Onondaga County. Uh, the tensions between county legislatures uh, and the Board of Elections can be pretty high (laughs) and uh, especially when, uh, you know, budgetary issues come about. So uh, having more protections for Board of Elections so they can stay independent and properly serve their voters is something that is very important, something that I'll be talking about a lot uh, in the upcoming legislative session. I also was sworn in on Friday. Uh, That was uh, uh, the day that I was scheduled to be sworn in uh, and uh, my co-commissioner, co- uh, Michelle Sardo got sworn in. You can go to our Onondaga County Board of Elections Facebook page and see our videos of that. Judge Lamondola uh, swore in Commissioner Sardo and J- Judge McMahon, who is now ascending to the Supreme Court, um, uh, uh, you swore me in uh, with my wife and son by my side and it is the honor of my life to be your elections commissioner in Onondaga County. And I'm so happy to be doing it for another two years. Um, And finally, I'm gonna say a little bit about this pay raise uh, debacle that, or pay cut debacle or pay freeze debacle that has happened. Uh, And it might be my last words on this because I am happy to be doing this job. And I feel very lucky um, to be able to, uh, you know, provide, uh, you know, election protection for the citizens of Onondaga County. But, you know, in the last week or so, the Onondaga County Legislature GOP caucus uh, wanted to slash our salaries at the Board of Elections uh, for the commissioners uh, by about 7%. This came without warning. Um, And then uh, there was a variety of reasons that they had for that, each one replacing the other when the the reasons seemed to, uh, not mash up with the facts. Uh, first, they said that, you know, we made more than our counterparts in other counties, and that was demonstrably false. And then they tried to say, well, they met per capita. And then Syracuse.com did a, an analysis of that and showed that we're actually one of the lowest paid per capita commissioners in uh, in upstate New York. Out of the 32 commissioners that are full-time salary per capita, we're uh, there's only three uh, commissioners that actually make uh, uh, less than us. Um, and uh, then, then they said, oh, well, it was because, uh, you know, uh, the austerity budget and that's why they did it. But, of course, every other management confidential was getting a raise and including themselves as the county legislature. They, uh, they put in a, a law a few years back that was automatic for everybody to get a raise and it just showed that they were just targeting board of elections and then finally now they seem to have settled on some weird argument that uh i um you know because we pay the commissioners the same that um the previous republican commissioner had served for a while uh bumped up that salary higher than normal and uh that's why they should have cut that salary but again that's like the fifth argument that they were on and uh oh they also had an argument that they were trying to save fourteen thousand dollars to put into uh TV for you know getting out the vote uh for the Board of Elections when they were actually cutting 160000 dollars out of that line to begin with. So, you know, these um arguments just never really passed any mustard. And I think the, the public definitely could see through it. Uh had an amazing uh editorial about it, several letters to the editors about it. But more importantly, I just want to thank all of you, all of you that uh uh, rallied to the board of elections side, to both commissioners side, to the bipartisan board side, and said that this was not the right time to be doing this. This was not the right time. You know, it should have been done in a transparent way instead of, uh, you know, you know, raising it minutes before the vote uh, and uh, uh, and then you know using all kinds of ridiculous reasons for why they were doing it. Um, you know, we had a very long drawn out budget process, and this was never part of the discussion ever, not once. Um, and so uh, it's just tough that, uh, to see that happen and see my name out there again in the press. I don't mind being in the press, I'm in the press all the time. Um, but uh, to have that be a personal thing, that was uh, unfortunate and I wish it didn't happen. However, uh, it is, uh, you know, it's up to the voters to decide how they wanna react to that. And uh, it's up to me to, make sure your voice is heard no matter how you vote. So I'm going to do that job and we're going to see exactly how everything uh, plays out uh, in every election over the next few years, because I'm very happy to be coming back. Uh, So we're about to get to the interview with Senator Mike Gianaris. Um, It's a a, a wonderful interview. Uh, Next uh, Tuesday, or I'm sorry, next Tuesday, I will be doing a commissioner in car again. Uh, well, you know, we are certified now as an election, but there's a lot of work going on at the Board of Elections, and I'll go over exactly what's going on uh, at the Board of Elections now that we are certified. Um, and uh, the next Thursday, I will have Susan Lerner of Common Cause. Uh, she'll be coming on because uh, we're uh, having a big. Uh, uh, legislative push, uh, you know, enabling legislation being put up, uh, in the, in the next, on Monday, December 21st, for, uh, redistricting in the city of Syracuse, and that's, a a cause that, uh, uh, Susan and I worked on together to have the first citizen-led independent redistricting commission in the, the eastern part of the United States, happening right here in Syracuse, uh, that law is being passed on Monday the 21st, so we're having uh, her on, and um, um, on Saturday, we're actually going to have a virtual town hall about that. So if you want to know more about that, Fair Maps, CNY is hosting a virtual town hall, which of course I'll be a part of, um, on Saturday at noon. And then next Sunday, my guest will be David Dreisen, who's SU Law professor. It's another edition of my SCOTUS Sundays that I've been talking about, and we're going to talk about all this legislation that happened uh, with the president um, uh, trying to delay the election, and uh, and 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 where that all stands, uh, the how uh, it may affect us in the future, and and how the court reacted to those uh, uh, lawsuits. So it's gonna be an interesting discussion. So I hope you tune in and watch uh, or listen, however it may be. So now I'm happy to get to the interview with Senator Mike Gianaris. And welcome back to Zoom with Zarni. I am honored and pleased to have as our interview for this week, uh, Senator Mike Gianaris. He is the Deputy Majority Leader of the New York State Senate, uh, representing Western Queens, uh, and that means he's number two in the Senate, uh, and uh, has been a big part of the Democratic push to take back New York Senate uh, back uh, two years ago, and now uh, achieving a supermajority two years later. Senator Gianaris, thank you so much for being on Zoom and Thanks, Dustin.
1: Thanks for having me with you.
0: Well, uh, it's been an exciting two years. Uh, you, you know, your, your, your first term uh, in the majority, uh, you know, since uh, uh, 2008, I believe it was, was the last time uh, Democrats were in the majority and there was a lot of changes. Um, and of course, a lot of uh, challenges that you had. What's it like now um, that we've gone through this first term, you delivered on some big things for New York, uh, in terms of elections, early voting, uh, you know, electronic poll books, uh, portable transport, transport, uh, you know, portability of registration that's moved, allowed people to move around the state and still be able to vote. But also uh, a, a lot of uh, policy initiatives that have been held up by the Republican Senate. And what's it like to be rewarded now with a supermajority? Uh, the voters uh, this fall gave you a supermajority
1: yeah rewarding is a good word i mean we really went out there for two years and had one of the most productive sessions in the 230 plus year history of the state senate Uh, we did some things that now seem prescient we codified roe versus wade for example um, just to make sure that new york had protections if the supreme court uh, went haywire and now with uh, the new appointment on the court uh, that's a real risk so i'm very glad we did that we enacted the nation's best climate change legislation strongest tenant protections we have ever had protections for uh, immigrants, gun safety legislation, uh, gender—the list goes on and on. The, the crime, vic- the child victims act, rather, uh, which has been held up for for too long. We were really in a in a backward state in New York, considering how progressive we like to think that we are, because there was, the Senate Republicans were holding everything up, and much like a lot of their colleagues nationally, it was an artificial majority. It was heavily gerrymandered, oftentimes taking advantage of Democrats who were um, in a coalition with them to deny us the majority. We finally put that to bed in 2018. We had an amazing two years. And despite Republicans' best efforts to um, lie about what we did and demonize us, we came back with even more members. So it was a real validation from the voters. The largest majority in the history of the state for any party. No one has ever had 43 members in a Senate majority uh, in our state's history. And I'm proud uh, to be a part of it.
0: And uh, your majority didn't just grow, it grew regionally as well. You added a lot of upstate members to your majority, uh, including here in Onondaga. We're going to be sending you Mr. John Manion, who soon will be Senator John Manion, who's a wonderful uh, advocate for us here in Onondaga County, but you added members in Buffalo, Rochester, Albany. So now- Um, the majority coalition is is more diverse regionally as well as more diverse in the traditional sense.
1: Yeah, which is important to us and important to our leader, Andrew Stewart-Cousins. She herself is a suburban uh, legislator uh, representing Westchester County, Um, but we knew that to grow and to maintain um, the pride we have in representing all New Yorkers, we needed to do that. I was tired of hearing about the complaints that we were a downstate conference, even though we had great upstaters like uh, Tim Kennedy and Rachel May already. Uh, but now we have a real robust upstate presence. Um, we elected Sean Ryan in Buffalo, Summer Brook and Jerry, uh, Jeremy Cooney in Rochester. And you mentioned John Manning who's gonna be a great addition. Uh, and even Michelle Hinchy in the Capital Region down to the Hudson Valley. Um, it's going to really give the breadth of, of knowledge for that our conference needs to represent everyone. We tried to do our best to do that um, in the last two years, but. Uh, there's nothing like having people on the ground living and, and representing those communities
0: themselves. So this podcast started uh, in response to the COVID crisis and uh, being able to uh, communicate to the voters in Onondaga County and the surrounding areas that of all the changes that were happening in election law, you know, it's an election podcast, I'm an elections commissioner, so that tends to be my focus. And... You know, looking back at the last two years, um, you know I used to say that election law passed New York in a glacial pace, and now it was like a virtual flood over the last two years. Not even before the pandemic, in 2019, massive fee changes, and now even in 2020, in in uh, in response to the pandemic, there's been a lot of changes. What what has it been like to change our Byzantine election law?
1: Well, it it was our top priority. Each of the uh, two years we were in the majority, our first order of business was improving our election laws. Uh, The early voting that we all just experienced only exists because on our very first day in the majority, uh, we got that done and passed it. The the mail-in voting was um, pandemic related to be sure, but uh, we expanded and and codified the governor's executive orders to allow the easier um, use of mail-in voting. And we're working on the constitutional amendment to make that a permanent change so you would never need an excuse to uh, vote by absentee uh, in the future. And we still have more to do. We're we're always tweaking the things. These changes are so dramatic that we're learning uh, as we go how to make them better. Uh, After the primary in June, we did the right to cure law, which now allows voters to correct technical mistakes on their um, absentee ballot envelopes. Um, and I think going forward, uh, you and I have already spoken about this, but I think we need to do something about making um, early voting uh, easier and uh, provide more options for the voters to, to engage in early voting, as well as uh, changing the way we count our absentees, because we're last in the nation now. We, we still have a congressional race that's not decided. Part of the reason is because it's incredibly close, but we didn't even know that it was incredibly close until about a week ago, because it took that long to, uh, to get to that point in the process. So... We have some things to do um, to, to continue to make it better and easier to vote, and, and I'm looking forward to doing it. I, I should also mention I'm very proud I passed an automatic voter registration bill that uh, is uh, awaiting the governor's signature. he has got a couple of weeks left before the end of the year, but hopefully we'll add that to our list of accomplishments.
0: Yeah, I, automatic voter registration is uh, one of the things that I've been pushing, it seems like, my entire career, uh, along with early voting. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. So do. Do we expect that to be signed by the end of the year? Or is there any reason to believe that that won't be a part of, uh, I no, mean, the governor said he's for it, but.
1: Uh, yeah, we've had some good conversations with the staff and I, I don't think the um, uh, differences are insurmountable. Uh, having having seen differences that are insurmountable on other issues, this seems uh, very much like we're going to cross the finish line, but we're not
0: there yet. Great. Oh, that's wonderful because uh, that is like, I think the final Cog in the first phase of election changes in New York, Um, and and you also mentioned that your conference has made the first day of session like you know Democracy Day, you know the first day in two thousand nineteen. You you passed the early voting and uh, the constitutional amendments uh, and making a June primary and uh, and then last year uh, you further codified. you know, uh, uh, I forgot, exa- I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm off the top of my head. What was on the first day last year? It you was... know, it's
1: interesting to us that we've done so much that I, even I get confused. And this year we did uh, we did a lot of things that were um, connected to the COVID uh, situation. Um, and so the kind of the, the banner accomplishments on election law this year were uh, more related to the expansive mail-in voting, the right to cure law that we mentioned, um, and facilitating the, uh, the, the uh, absentee ballot process that, Uh, that we're all engaged in now.
0: And COVID obviously has changed everything. Uh, You know, even the way you meet as uh, a conference and as a a body, you're looking at more virtual sessions, I imagine, this year. And uh, it's too bad we won't have the Democracy Day on the first day where everybody got in the Capitol and celebrated this year, but we have to be safe. But uh, um, so what what do you think are going to be some of the – Uh, election uh, priorities that will come up early in session? Well, I
1: I have mine, certainly, and and two of them that are very important I just mentioned, um, which are the uh, increasing the requirement for early voting sites uh, throughout the state, uh, as well as changing the way we count the ballots. If we allow um, absentee ballots to be processed as they come into the boards uh, and then require them to be open and counted even before election day, um, we could have our uh, our, our results like so many other states in the country if not an election day and certainly by the day before a uh, day after rather um and so uh, i think those are two big ones we have to do second passage of the constitutional amendment changes that would uh, allow for no excuse absentee voting as well as same day registration um we have some work on uh fixing the redistricting process that we're that we're working on so we have plenty of work before us and i think chairman zelman mayree who by the way is that phenomenal work as the chair of the elections law committee uh, for us um, is intending on as he did after the primaries having hearings to um, uh, kind of uh, do an autopsy on the general election with all these new processes how did they work what can we do better Uh, what can we do to improve the process so there may be more proposals to come Uh,
0: I I would be remiss not to ask about uh, petitioning that is a A big concern up in Onondaga County and and everywhere. As I would imagine that, you know, with the COVID crisis ongoing, um, you know, I I don't think that there's a solution figured out yet for next March for getting on the ballot. But obviously, that's got to be something that the legislature is thinking about as well. Is that correct?
1: Of course, of course. And I don't think I mean I'm glad to hear the the vaccine is on its way and um, starting to be administered. Hopefully, in the next week or so, but. Uh, it's going to take several months for that to take hold. And so we, we have to fully expect that the petition period is going to be in a COVID uh, environment, um, which means we don't want to encourage people to be knocking on doors or doing the traditional um, signature gathering. So we're going to have to come up with something innovative. Um, last year, or earlier this year, rather, it kind of hit us right in the middle of the petition period. So we just cut it short and it reduced the, the number of signatures required. And most candidates had already uh, accumulated them. We're gonna have to think about how to do this from the beginning of the process uh, next year.
0: And of course, COVID has changed everything. Uh, And um, without a reliable partner with the federal government, uh, in in fact, and you know, while we all hope that it's going to be better in the future, um, I think the Georgia Senate races will allow us to know exactly how much better it will be. Um, you know, New York has kind of been left high and dry by the federal government. We pay more into the federal government uh, in terms of tax dollars than we ever get back, and we are facing a multi-year, multi, you know, tens of billions of dollars each year uh, budget deficit. How is that gonna affect this session?
1: Well, dramatically, I think that's gonna be um, taking up 90% of our time and effort. Uh, the other 10 might be the election law work we talked about, but, uh, but everything is connected to our budget deficit because the way we fund our school system runs through that, the way we fund our healthcare system runs through the budget. So a deficit like that um, impacts all aspects of our, of our lives. And so uh, I, I do expect that's gonna dominate um, our deliberations Uh, and how we close that gap is going to be very much reliant on does the federal government with the new administration come through for us in in terms of providing real estate aid. Uh, A decade ago, uh, President Obama at the time uh, had a real stimulus plan that that injected much-needed resources to states in the middle of the Great Recession and helped us avoid a real big dip uh, in our economic activity. We need something even more dramatic because the economic impact has, has been more dramatic uh, and unfortunately, uh, this administration with this uh, U.S. Senate hasn't delivered. Um, come January, we'll have a new president, hopefully a new Senate, but uh, if not, uh, we'll have to uh, see what they are able to come up with for us. And then we have to be prepared to do what's necessary in the absence of a sufficient aid.
0: Now, I'd be remiss not to mention that you are from Queens, but you have a Syracuse connection in a former staffer of City Hall who is now a staffer of yours. A good friend of mine, Alexander Marion, who is uh, we worked together at City Hall together, and now he's uh, on your staff and uh, was recently up here helping us up with the ballot counts and the objections that were going on in the in the race. Uh, so you know it's not you know we, we, I, I think a lot of times Democrats get demonized as being city focused only, but yet we have you have staffers, you have people from all over New York, and and, uh, and, and obviously you care about. It upstate and the rest of new york as well
1: certainly and i visited several times uh, i'll do you one better i found alexander um because he was working for mayor uh, stephanie minor at the time and she her term was ending and stephanie and i worked together about 25 years ago um and so uh, we had a conversation and she highly recommended him and he's been uh, with me over over two years now he's terrific
0: yeah he is he's great uh and you know i i guess there's another connection here with Central New York and you kind of, uh, in a weird way, but you know, you had a much publicized uh, battle with Amazon. Uh, a battle I agree with, by the way. I, I felt like uh, the Democrats that were fighting that were on the right side. But then what happened here is in Central New York, uh, the leadership here decided to give them all the breaks that they wanted and they're now opening a, a warehouse facility up in Clay. Um, and at a time where we're having budget deficits, the money that could have been used to, to raise off these big box stores and, and, and developments um, are, not, are, are, are not there to help. So do you wanna you know, kind of talk about that or how that? You know, how, sure,
1: yeah. and, and, and every situation is different. So the leaders uh, in Onondaga and, and in Syracuse have to make their own decisions about what they think is wise economic development policy. Here in in New York and Long Island City, an area that was already booming, uh, the last thing we needed to do is incentivize them to come here with $3 billion in uh, in public incentives. Now, I said at the time, they don't need it. I think they're coming anyway, and it's a waste of those, those dollars if they're gonna come and build a tax base regardless. A lot of people criticize me for that position, but in the end, I've been proven correct. Since they supposedly left New York, they've added more white collar jobs in New York City than they were planning on adding uh, under the HQ2 proposal. I and mean, we have uh, squandered zero dollars in public money to make that happen. And so um, I think if you fast forward the 10 to 15 years they were talking about, they're gonna have those 25,000 employees in New York City um, either way. And we will have genuinely saved that money because if they're adding uh, to the tax base uh, regardless and you didn't need to incentivize it, then that's billions of dollars that can now be used for the purposes.
0: So, Senator, um, you know we're going to have to wrap this up here shortly. You've given us a lot of your time, and I really appreciate that. But what what do you think? um, What what do you think that this new Senate majority is going to do for upstate New York, and you know, not just elections, but in general? How how are we going to work together as a state and and show progress everywhere in New York State?
1: Well, the first way we're going to answer that question is to listen to our members who represent those parts of the state. We now have two members uh, in the Syracuse area, two in Rochester, two in Buffalo, two in the Capital Region, Uh, and I think we would defer to them for what the needs of of their particular regions of the state are, Uh, but one of the things, as we talked about the budget, that I'm pushing very hard for, and I think uh, our leader has indicated is the position of the conference, is that we got to close this gap. We don't want to hurt The services that people rely on um, by making drastic cuts. Um, And that means we have to raise revenue from the wealthiest among us. um, In order to continue providing those services now just so happens the way the state is broken down. Most of the billionaires and the multimillionaires are located downstate so In terms of upstate when we embark on this kind of policy. That means we're going to be taking resources from the people who have had them down here. Uh, in the downstate region and allocating them to services that will help the entire state, including upstate. So I think that will be a benefit um, to a a lot of folks and making sure that the schools are maintaining a good quality and the hospitals are functioning and the higher education system is functioning the way it's supposed to. Uh, It's going to be important to keep that going because I think that is much more a danger to the future of our state if we don't maintain uh, services that people have come to rely on Than worrying about the millionaires and billionaires uh, in New York City uh, who have been strikingly doing very well and even better during the pandemic itself, which, uh, when so many people are suffering, to see them doing so well, it seems logical to ask them to contribute a little more.
0: Well, thank you again, Senator. Uh, uh, You've been great. Uh, And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you sometime, uh, virtually or in person, uh, up on the Hill. But uh, I also look forward to seeing what uh, this next Senate majority does for us. Uh, And, uh, you know, this has been Zoom with Zarney. We're going to be on a break until next Tuesday when we'll have Syracuse University Professor David Dresden in uh, and talking about the legal implications of uh, all the changes in New York and also uh, on the federal end. But again, Senator Gianaris, thank you so much for having us uh, coming to us. Can I,
1: can I add one thing this time? I just wanted oh, absolutely. To, I wanted to just thank you for your, your good work. We were obviously up there counting absentee ballots in Onondaga um, and you were terrific. And your team was, uh, was you know, we, we had a mixed experience around the state with, with some of the different counties, but yours was one of the uh, the top notch ones. So we appreciate your good work.
0: Oh, thank you very much. We. We work really well here together in Onondaga County, and I'm glad that it was a good experience for everyone. So it was a good outcome, too. That helps as well. I'm so. and, and, and glad that you know everyone was
1: safe from, from COVID. I know you had an outbreak in the middle of all that, but it was yeah. handled very well.
0: Well, thank you again. And, uh, and, and thank all of you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. I get no knocked-